Madeline here. It is February 2nd, 2023. Happy New Year. I didn't say that last time. Um, I've been meaning to do an update, but brain tired, body tired. Not that I'm any better. It's just, I'm so stressed out right now. I might as well do something productive because I'm not going to be able to to rest. So I'm just going to do a little update. And then I've, I've come to some realizations about how post-viral disease abdication, all of the post-viral diseases that I've experienced, but particularly myalgic encephalomyelitis, which for me is a post-viral um, disease. And um, how that affected me. I've talked about how it affected me physically, but I haven't talked about how that abdication damaged me as a developing adolescent and young adult. Um, and I think that that's really important for there to be a general understanding, but also specifically for parents, friends, and families of people in those age groups. Um, so from a Granny Madeline <laughs> vantage point. Um, but first of all, an update. So last time I told you I had enough money till mid-February and I had some unexpected money, um, which is should be arriving soon, that um, should get me for three months. I've, I've been trying to stretch out treatments and this turned out to be a catastrophically bad idea. I did three weeks in a row of just one of the intravenous a week, um, along with the oral supplements. And it's like, nope, 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 nope. So, uh, I've deteriorated in a way that's, it's kind of scary. I'm, I'm slowly starting to crawl my way back out, but it's taking a lot. And, uh, and, and I really want to shore up some energy because there is a, an advocacy opportunity that, I'm not going to talk about too much now. I'm going to wait for it to sort of gestate and grow, but I'll have to do energy expenditure in March. So I'm, I'm just, A, it's not good for me to stretch out treatments, and, and B, I need to be cognitively uh, uh, useful enough to to be able to um, participate because it's it's advocacy that the definitely isn't going to just affect me. It's, it's definitely something that could be, have a, 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 a pretty solid impact for, for, um, truthfully for the larger PWD community. Um, when I know I'm sounding very mysterious, so I'm going to leave it at that for now. But yeah, I've had a very frustrating day, ended up with energy expenditures. I wasn't expecting. It's like, good things never seem to just be simple, just big and complicated and unexpectedly complicated and spending energy I didn't have. I mean, today I was like, oh, I really hope I can shower or do some laundry or do some cleaning of my apartment. And not only did I not accomplish any of those things, I didn't end up having a proper rest day because I had to um, end up trying to deal with this unexpected thing that happened. Um, So up on the computer, trying to sort it on the phone, and I'm, I'm very broken. So, you know, the supports I'm doing are not just minimal, but there's so much more help I need. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having, 
I mean, in the past, when I knew that I had three months worth of, of time, of money to, to have that time, I could sort of take a bit of a breather. But, but having almost a full year of not knowing from month to month or week to week if I get to stay alive, I, I'm realizing I'm, I'm kind of wired for sound. I'm, 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 I'm rather actively damaged by it. I think I'm experiencing a, 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 an increasing levels of trauma uh, of being this on the edge of, of being this measure of life and death. I find myself struggling with thoughts of just giving up and, um, you know, the prospect of running out of money in three months rather than feeling like, oh, I have three months. It's like, oh, it's only three months, you know? And I'm, I'm usually much more of a glass half full kind of person. It's not that I'm not a glass, glass half full. It's the, it's the knowledge of how stressful it's going to get as I reach the end of that. And, um, and how difficult that is physically, but more than that, emotionally. Um, the harm of, of not having supports that I need, of not knowing if, 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 you know, the government's finally going to step up or if the GoFundMe is going to move or if the articles journalists are working on are going to come out or if they do come out, are they going to have any impact on the GoFundMe and just the brutality of begging for my life on the internet. Man, there's, it's just awful. So um, I know I talked about my meeting with the MLA. So I'm going to talk about like how I came to an aha moment about the emotional damage I experienced as a, a child and young adult um, because of this abdication. This this almost like a like harm to me as as a person, a, a personhood, I guess. Um, and so after the meeting with the MLA, where I was just feeling so like, oh, I wasn't clear and precise. My brain was so tired. I couldn't put my thoughts together. Oh my God, you know, those kinds of feelings. I, um, I was talking with someone and I had this aha moment because he said, you know, Madeline, your brain, your communication brain on a bad day is as good as, as most people's communication day on a good day. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And I ran that recently, you know, uh, across another friend or to another friend and, and she's like yeah absolutely and I'm like really because like and I, and I really thought about it and I started to realize that because I wasn't properly diagnosed with myalgic encephalomyelitis I mean clearly I had an immune deficiency that's pretty much all they diagnosed they slowly diagnosed some of the autoimmune disorders but but to, to not have that be understood that I needed to conserve energy, that while I could push my luck, it would be like borrowing money from the mob, you know? So where I went with it is that I'm lazy or I'm stupid, like brain fog became I'm stupid because I knew my brain wasn't working the way that it normally worked. And I'd go through phases where it seemed a little better and other phases where it seemed worse. And, and it would crisp, it would get worse and worse the more I pushed myself. But like the, the feedback I was getting was that, oh, you're being lazy or, you know, oh, you're just depressed. And I wasn't depressed. And, and, and to internalize that, to turn that in on myself and start to not just self-doubt, but become increasingly perfectionistic. 
And, and I thought it was just a type A personality trait. It, yes, I am a bit of a type A personality, but I, I had this, 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 this aha moment about like, no, wait, this is all fruit of the poisonous tree of abdication on my disease of not being properly diagnosed and then not being properly guided and taught how to navigate that particular health limitation. Um, so I think one of the, there's so many ways I could tackle this and entire brain is not helping. Um, no, maybe I shouldn't be talking about it when I'm so tired, but what the heck? Um, let me see if I can't. Uh, okay. So in grade 11, I had this teacher <laughs> and she was such a cool lady. She was a biology teacher and uh she was a southern lady with like you know mid-length blonde hair but she was built like a linebacker so she had this sweet soft voice but you also knew never to mess with her and i liked her so much i mean she was warm and friendly but also incredibly intimidating and um and, and i and i realized in retrospect that this woman had my number or at least a piece of my number so you know i was sick all the time as i've talked about before i was chronically infected and um on friday i was trying to study for a quiz on monday i did have a cold it wasn't a terrible cold i've had worse but i knew i couldn't think i'm trying to study and i'm trying to study and just nothing is sticking and i just thought oh i'm gonna fail this test so i got a note from the doctor because i was sick and i went in on tuesday and you know i wasn't lying i was sick um but I don't know. I don't know what, how she knew or what, I don't know. But, but so after class, I gave her my note and after class, when everyone's filing out, she says, I would like you to take the, the quiz anyway. And it's just a little quiz. Um, I would like you to take the quiz anyway. And if you don't like the grade, then I won't keep it. What the heck am I supposed to say to that? <laughs> I can't say no. So I was like, okay. And it's a short quiz. I mean, like oh, maybe 15 minutes, you know, it was lunchtime. Nobody else was around, just me and her. So I do the quiz and I bring it up and she marks it right then and there. And then she takes one finger and she puts it on the piece of paper and she rotates it around towards me and pushes it across the wooden desk to me. And I look down and it says 98. And she looks at me and she says, shall I keep the grade? I said, okay, but, but, and I really, she didn't say anything else. She didn't make a thing of it, but I, I realized she was trying to get through that. What I thought was the effort I should be putting in was just way more than what was required. But I think part of it was, is that I, this brain fog, you know, this brain fog that makes it so hard, you know, so often I feel like I'm not communicating clearly and I'll ask people like, am I making sense? And they'll say yes, but, but it's because it, it's like trying to think through molasses. It's like trying to think with an elephant, like on your thoughts, like it, it's, it's so Herculean and, and it, and it makes me feel dumb because my brain is not working the way it's built to work. And I didn't know why back then. I didn't know why. I didn't know why in university I couldn't work in between semesters. I felt so lazy. I didn't know why, you know, from 15 to, to 20 when they didn't properly di di diagnose my hypothyroidism. Again, all part of this post-viral 
escalation of disease, you know, like why I, I was just getting sicker and sicker. I was in school less and less and I became more and more perfectionistic. Cause I just thought if I just try harder, if I just try harder and the harder I tried, the sicker I got. And, and I, I, it just damaged me so profoundly as a person like and then when I developed what we now know is celiac disease and I started just pooping myself and the only response I was getting from a GI guy was like just be less stressed it's like it's really hard to be less stressed when you're just looking for toilets all the time when you've got like 14 times a day of liquid fire diarrhea you know and and um I mean it it affected my relationships because, I mean, A, I was absent from them a lot from being sick. But B, you know, I mean, there was always this hesitation I had. Like, oh, am I going to get a cold from this? Like, you know, when I where I went to university, they were very fond of the, uh, the kiss on the cheek. <laughs> kiss on the cheek, hello, the double kiss sometimes. And I hated it. I hated it, you know. But you could not do it. Um, you know, just even dating, like, is this when I catch something dreadful, you know, all these, these hesitations on interactions. So like, not only just not knowing how to, to manage the energy limitations, like just because I had energy for a for a while, doesn't mean that I can just like spend it like I'm a millionaire, you know, and, and then we talk about like air quotes mild, which I, again, I still prefer to call stage one ME. It's like, this is not a trivial thing that can go nuclear really fast. It's so important to know how to navigate those energy restrictions and those limitations and, and, and not to push your luck. Like at 15, I never should have got to that summer, you know, program, that summer theater program I went to. I, I collapsed myself so much. I made myself so worse, much worse. But, but because my disease was abdicated on, nobody was giving me instruction. Nobody was giving my family instruction. And it just became about either overtly or covertly that I'm just lazy or, you know, I'm just not trying hard enough. Um, when the opposite was actually true and it was part of what was making me sicker and sicker. So this psychosomatizing of the disease, this mislabeling is as dis-depression, you know, it's like, it's so frustrating because there's so many other diseases that have had proper research that who has huge fatigue hallmarks, but that aren't dismissed. And, and so the, the person isn't pejoratized like it is with myalgic encephalomyelitis, like it is with with the bulk of post-viral diseases, all of which have energy production um, obstacles. And, and um, you know, I, I read long COVID social media posts and, and I, you know, family members who don't believe them and just try harder, like just, and I just, now that I've had this aha moment, I look at that and I go, you are harming these young people. You are harming them in ways that they will never fully recover from. You are damaging their trust, not just in the system, but in you as family members. Um, and and you, are, you are you know, creating trauma. You are creating despair and not primary depression, but secondary depression because you know there's no hope. You know nobody's going to help you. 
and, um, or worse, that pushing and pushing, like if I just tried harder, if I was just more positive, if I just did blah, blah, blah. I had a conversation the other day with somebody at a medical clinic, very nice person, very well meant, and not the first time I've heard this, but it's this idea that, you know, well, there are people who with their minds that can cure themselves, and I am sorry, I say this with the deepest of respect, but I call bullshit. I call bullshit. And it's not that they they weren't recovered, but I don't think it's this magical thinking, this idea, like if you just tried harder, if you were just more positive, that you could make yourself well and, and, and bless her heart. She was trying to say, well, like some people are Olympians, some people are particularly good at things. So these people can, you know, like focus and heal themselves. And it's like, if what you're saying can't grow back an amputated limb, then it cannot magically heal you. And, and I've said this before, and I'll say this again, because I think it's, it's so important, um, because it, 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 it's about ableism on so many different diseases. Um, this idea that you can think yourself well, that's not a thing. And I, 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 believe in meditation. I believe in affirmations. I believe in creative visualization. I believe they help reduce stress, which takes away impediments to whatever healing the body can do, whatever emotional equilibrium a person can achieve. But I don't believe they magically make you well. And I say that from a 43-year vantage of trying to do that. It's not a thing. You cannot pray yourself healthy. And, and, and if I was going to look at it from a spiritual point of view, we are material beings in a material world. And if we are meant to learn lessons, it's, it's how to navigate limitations. And, and I'm not saying that, that these activities are bad or wrong. I'm saying it's problematic when it becomes entrenched this bias in our society that if only you tried harder, you could be well, you could be working, you could be self-sufficient. It's like, dude, that's not how bodies work. That's not how the material world works. And I'm knowing this, I know to some people, this may sound controversial. Oh, she's given up or oh, she's nothing could be farther from the truth. (laughs) I said to my little nerd sister about, you know, people saying like, oh, if you just were more positive, you'd be, and she laughed. She said, you know, it's not possible for anyone to be more positive than you are positive. And it's true. It's true. doesn't mean that I don't have my dark moments because I, I don't believe in toxic positivity. I think you have to own the difficulty to be able to put your big person underpants on and navigate through it. But I know for a fact that if it was possible for a person to visualize themselves well, to, to affirm themselves well, to creatively visualize, to pray themselves, to will themselves to be well, I would be well. I would be well. Because <laughs> there ain't nobody more determined. There's no one who hasn't has researched more. I mean, I have more control over my limbic system. Like I'd say short of like a guru on a mountaintop 
And I said that to my physio and she nodded her head. She said, oh yeah, <laughs> you, you have a lot of control over your limbic system. You know, so, cause I, I am aware that this level of pain can be deadly. And so I manage my fight, flight and freeze responses as, as much as anybody could do that. And, and so, yes, these tools can have some facets of, of management and support to stress because stress is not good for our bodies, but it doesn't make you magically well, not magically going to make cancer go away. It's not magically going to grow back a limb. It's not magically going to make post-viral damage, not be post-viral damage. Now on the other side, can stress make these things worse? Yes, there's been many studies about this. And, and you can manage stress up to a point, but when you don't have like a PWD supports worldwide, we, we don't have the baseline supports that we need. And then on post-viral diseases across the board, all of the ones that tend to be instigated, we've got nothing like, or the thing next to nothing, <laughs> uh, then, then that stress can definitely exacerbate those conditions, but it didn't create them. And it, and, and, and managing it does not make you magically well. And, and I think that's so important, both for sufferers and the larger able population to really get, to really get, this is about all of us understanding that anybody can be disabled at any time. And so we need practical supports in place so that we don't lose access to the talent and tenacity and wisdom encapsulated in these individuals. And so that anybody, when this happens, because it's going to happen in one way or the other, they know that they have supports. It's why we have insurance, life insurance, house insurance, car insurance. It's why we have those insurances. But we need those entrenched within our social systems, within our bureaucracies, within our governments, because it's the largest minority in any country is disabled people. And it's the population that anybody can be a part of at any time. And so to know that you would have the supports you need to know, ah. Oh, that these entrenched biases are being addressed. I think all of this takes fear away from the vulnerability that is inherent in the very nature and fabric of being human. Because it's like we want to be the superhuman thing. It's like, but, but we live in a material world. I don't know what happens to us after we die. I have hopes, but I don't know for sure. But, but whatever your spiritual tradition or whatever your psychological beliefs are, you cannot will yourself well. You can create room for whatever wellness can happen. And for me, you know, keeping my mind open has allowed me to, um, you know, stumble across things that can be useful to me. And so I think that that openness of mind is helpful to me in putting pieces together and being an open to, to possibilities. Um, but it doesn't make me well, because if I could make me well, I would have made me well a long time ago. And if I cannot make me well, 
No one can make themselves well. And I know that sounds like perhaps an arrogant statement, but I am probably one of the most singularly tenacious creatures that you will ever stumble across. Like maybe short of a honey badger. <laughs> but even then, I'm still not sure because I'm a very tenacious girl. And when I set myself to something, boy, I set myself to it for good or for ill. So if it was possible, I would, I told you before that my in real life name means strong rebel warrior in a sea of sorrow. And I was not kidding about the, uh, you know, the, the, the accuracy of that. And, and, and maybe in another episode, I'll, I'll talk in more detail about some of the specific encounters. Just so maybe it becomes a little clearer. What do I mean by the emotional damage I suffered? Um, you know, by physicians not understanding my disease, by them saying things to me that were inappropriate or, or, or entrenched further. This, like, if I just tried harder, oh, I'm bad. I'm a bad girl. I... I, I'm not doing things right. I'm stupid. You know, and all of that was, is, is so much a part of this disease abdication and does so much harm and adds so much stress. And yes, stress can exacerbate an illness. And do I think it did in my childhood, my adolescence and my teens and my, um, my twenties? Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that would be a logical conclusion to, to, you know, propose. So, I think one of the, the hardest things is this feeling that no help is coming. To just be abandoned and to be left to, 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 to not even have it acknowledged the disease processes at play. I'm just thinking through doctor's appointments and atypical presentations of illness. And, you know, we're taught to, to bend at the knee at medicine. We're not taught to be, you know, health partners with our physicians. They're not taught to be health partners with us, the allopaths anyway. And, and I think that it's healthier for both parties to be in that standpoint. It, it takes the stress off doctors and it empowers patients. And I had none of those during those developmental phases. And um, I think it's part of the stress that I feel now in this month to month. And yes, I have three months. And I have to give up stretch, stressing out the medicine just because I want to stay alive, stretching out my treatments. And um, that's terrifying. I don't want to die. I don't want to die and I have this advocacy opportunity that I'd like to be able to see through. I'd like it to be able to help me and I just don't see how I live long enough to, to see it come to fruition. But at least I can be a part of it. At least maybe it could help someone else. But I want it to help me. I want it to help me. I want to put my gas mask on first. So I don't know how cogent I am right now. It's just been on my mind to at least bring up the idea of the damage to a, to a young person that can happen with this kind of disease abdication, both from your culture, your community, and within the medical community um, in, in specific. And um, 
I'll try to talk about that a little more. Uh, and if you have questions, you can always come to the Twitter and ask me, and I can try to I can try to incorporate those into other updates. Again, I am Madeline Pod, and Madeline Nerdfighter is my um, my more um, casual Twitter. <sighs> I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you know the support and care. Uh, I I it helps keep me going for sure. It means a lot to me, and I um I wouldn't want you to think the the stress that I'm expressing right now precludes a deep sense of gratitude that I feel every day. I go and look at the who's listened to the podcast, like oh another person listened, hi, <laughs> uh, or if somebody donated to the GoFundMe, or if I had a kind comment on the on the Twitter account, um. These definitely are powerful, um, you know, the whole, not to get too syrupy, but the wind, ble- wind beneath my wings. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate that. And it's definitely part of my daily gratitudes for sure. All right. Till next time. So Tired Brain was trying to listen through the episode a few times, and and I wonder if I was able to be clear enough. Um, So I I think I'm really talking about the, the difference between understanding a body that's damaged needs mechanical supports and this... problematic uh, modality of with sheer will alone you can make yourself well because that intrudes on material mechanical supports for a person with a disability. So I, I hope that I was clear about that. I'll try to be a little more articulate in the next episode.